0: we are continuing our journey discussing clinical lesions and i think we're going to do two more weeks um in the one clinical lesion we're going to cover today is a papule so what is a papule papules are usually pretty firm they look just like red dots essentially um they're not usually crusted but they can be uh, it's going to be different than, say, what you would consider miliary dermatitis in a cat. But papules are solid, pretty firm, raised areas, and by definition, they're going to be smaller than a centimeter, and they're usually the result of some local irritation to that skin. And There's lots of different things that can cause papules, but a few main things I would really want you guys considering... Now, when we talk about all these different clinical lesions in a dog and in a cat, and then obviously other animals too, horses, cows, uh, remember that when you're seeing a lesion in the clinic, that is a snapshot in time. Kind of the same thing about blood work, right? When you collect blood work, it's a snapshot in time. It could always change. So some of these clinical lesions will stay put, and some will progress. So for example, if you had a staph pyoderma, it could start out as something like a papule, and then it could spread to something like a crust, or it could become something like a pustule. So these are the things that we have to be considering when we see that pet. How long has it been there? Has it looked like anything else in the past? Does the owner have any pictures of what it looked like two months ago, if that's when they first noticed it being present? Papules are usually pretty scattered so one term that we'll use if there's a, you know several scattered papules would be a papular eruption. We see that especially in a lot like short-coated breed dogs because it's really easy to see papules compared to the long uh, long-coated breed dogs. So a papular eruption would just be say like a boxer or just having a bunch of papules affecting their axillary region. But you can have individual papules as well. And they can also group together into certain patterns. So, a more, you know, centripetal or circular lesion. You could even get like a serpiginous pattern with papules. But the individual lesion itself would be a papule. Um, but again, it can develop into other things. So, a papule can become a crust. A papule can become a pustule. Um, Or you can just get a dog that has an acute papular rash or that papular eruption um, that just shows as a bunch of papules in the clinic itself. And there are certain diseases that really will just stay more papular and others that will uh, progress into those crusting things. So the other thing I want you guys to consider when you see papules, and this is true for a lot of different lesions, especially when we talk about pustules, because that's what we're going to talk about next week, are they presenting follicular or non-follicular? And sometimes it's a mix of both, and why does that matter? Well, follicular papule would be really going right above the hair follicle itself, whereas non-follicular would be obviously going to the areas not just above the hair follicle itself. And this can give us different differentials depending on if they are targeting those particular areas, the hair follicle or the non-follicular area. Now, sometimes you'll have both, right? And so there can always be you progression. We can always have really diffuse disease. But if you can tell, and especially when we talk about pup- pustules next week, if you can tell if it's follicular or non-follicular, specifically, that can be really indicative of your differential list and what may be higher up on that list compared to other things. So what are the things, if we see papules, that we would really be considering and thinking of in a small animal? Well, there's some questions that we wanna think about. What type of pet is it? Um, Their age, are they itchy to it? Do these papules pop up on their own or are they something that are really itchy? Are they truly papules? Remember, there could be other red dots like petechia, um, that's where you can use something like diascopy. Take a slide, kind of press it on there and see if it blanches or not. How's the pet otherwise? Do they have a history of struggling with skin lesions in the past? Are there other clinical signs like they're really punky, lethargic? Is this super acute? Is it something that's more chronic? Um, are other pets in the household affected? ectoparasite prevention of course you want to know if that pet's on ectoparasite prevention also are there other pets in the household do not forget to ask about that i have had a run of those cases lately where that pet's on the on a really good isoxazoline but the cat at home's not on flea control and those things definitely matter do we had any more recent medications or we could have something like a drug reaction because that could also present something um like an a pattern So going back to our basics, when we see these are really, really important. And again, when we really differentiate the history and whether it's follicular or non-follicular, when we start looking into differentials, if you have a pattern that is more follicular, so it's really affecting what looks like the hair follicle, by far and away, the most common thing that we're going to diagnose for a papular follicular eruption would be a true bacterial folliculitis. So we are having an increase in bacteria, in the hair follicle itself and that is going to be very very common for us to present or see as a presenting case of papules and a papular eruption i mean by far and away staph pyderma, but whether it's bacterial folliculitis or truly like a spreading pyoderma which we're going to talk about we're going to see that as one of the more common reasons of papules now of course i hopefully have taught you guys enough at this point to know we're going to get our, our cytology before we're going to definitively say that's true because there are other things that can cause papules too so even going down the list with follicular so sticking with follicular papules dermatophytosis right we have a fungal um, overgrowth or a fungal invasion and that usually feeds off keratin so it likes to be in the hair follicle it likes to feed on the keratin itself that's why we see it in hair scanned areas It also has a certain um, layer of the hair follicle it won't go past because you don't get the active keratin anymore. And so you're usually, if you're going to see papules associated with dermatophytosis, then we're going to see them affecting the follicle. Now, the hard thing about dermatophytosis, of course, is it really can look like anything. Crusting, erythematous, papules. So it could be a carry-on, right? Like there's pseudomycetoma, there's lots of different ways that dermatophytosis can present. So, we're going to start with a cytology. And then, if we have a history, say people in the household affected, or a new kitten that came into the household from a rescue situation that may increase the likelihood of dermatophytosis, or they have um, other people in the household affected, there's a cat that's just diagnosed, anything like that, then we definitely want to make sure we're doing the appropriate diagnostics for dermatophytosis. You know, DTM, fungal PCR, there's pros and cons to. To all of those things. I tend to run a test that actually uh, does a combo of those two because PCR is really quick, which is very nice, but I have had some cases that come up negative on PCR and then my DTM will grow a positive. So I'm really suspicious of it. Then I will run both of those tests. Um, it's just really, we, it's a, it's a disease we, don't see as often in dermatology, because honestly, a lot of the feline dermatophytosis is seen and treated appropriately at the general practitioner level. So I actually tend to see more dogs with dermatophytosis, which I know probably sounds very strange to all of you, just for that reason, because they're not as common And usually the general practitioner is very good at picking up feline versions of it. And a lot of times, dermatophytosis in dogs, it can be very strange and how it appears and how it looks because it can mimic lots of things. But it's definitely a differential you want to have for a follicular papule. The other big thing I want to point out for a follicular papule Is demodicosis. Same idea, right? Demodex, if it's going to proliferate, wants to be in the hair follicle. That's why we pluck hairs or we try to squeeze them out of the follicle when we're doing our skin scraping. So, very similar to what we talked about in the last couple of weeks. Go back to the basics with these cases. You know, scrape, look, smear. You know, scrape. Don't forget about it. Um, Just because they bought really good ectoparasite. Isoxazoline ectoparasite doesn't mean they're giving it, or maybe they're not giving it appropriately. Always get your slides out because we're going to cytology everything. And then, you know, plus or minus fungal culture. If we feel like that's something we need to do, you can also pluck hairs and evaluate them underneath the microscope if you're comfortable with that, because sometimes you can find dermatophyte spores invading the hairs if you do a trichogram and look underneath the microscope with mineral oil. Now, what if we are seeing like non-follicular lesions? So we're seeing a bunch of papules, but it really doesn't seem to line up with the hair follicle itself. Well, then we're probably dealing with some sort of pathology that's affecting the epidermis dermis or that dermal epidermal junction. And so other things that we would want to consider. So again, goes back to bacteria, but you can see versions of like a spreading pyoderma that will just kind of affect everything. So, you can have bacterial folliculitis, but then you also can have a true superficial spreading pyoderma. And that is going to look like a papule, but not necessarily be concentrated on the hair follicle, which you're going to catch anyway because you're going to cytology it. But the other things we really want to have high on our list flea bites. I mean, we, you know, fleas are something that are difficult because a lot of times we don't actively see them, right? Because most of our. Owners are not coming from a true infestation, so there's probably some maybe flea exposure at home that maybe the other pets ignore. But if we have a hypersensitivity in either a dog or a cat living in that home, they could have a tremendous response. But if you come from a, if that particular pet comes from a situation where they could have had a lot of exposure, you may truly see flea bites on that pet. Right? It's gonna be little red papules, irritation, and so. Do not negate that that could be a possibility when you're seeing a bunch of papules, especially if you have a situation where you think flea bite hypersensitivity or flea infestation is really a possibility in that dog or cat. Other things we can think about contact hypersensitivity. So we think of like bright red erythematous lesions. You're not necessarily going to have a contact hypersensitivity be right on the hair follicle, right? It's going to be affecting the entire skin that's getting contacted. We tend to see this in more glabrous areas and glabrous means hairless. So abdomen, Um, even scrotum in some cases axillary you can have contact hypersensitivity anywhere but obviously if you don't have hair or fur protecting that skin they're more likely to have that true contact on the skin itself so is there anything topically that the owners put on do they know of them laying in something outside is there a certain plant that they're sensitive to so contact hypersensitivity can present as something like papules and then kind of a big category of things is immune-mediated skin diseases that can cause non-follicular issues too, and papules. So, you know, certain really acute diseases, eos- eosinophilic diseases, say like Wells syndrome, you can start as like tiny papules or tiny red lesions. They usually progress into um, more obvious lesions but there's certain um, immune-mediated skin diseases. We think of something like pemphigus as a pustular disease that becomes crusted, and it certainly is for the most part, but I've seen some that almost have some papules mixed in. The hard thing about really defining those diseases is often there's a secondary pyoderma, so again, that can cause papules, but if you're not finding anything underneath the microscope, if you have a pet who's on really good, control, if you have scraped and can't find anything, if you have even done a fungal culture and can't find anything and they're still not responding, then definitely referral to rule out something like immune-mediated or even neoplastic skin diseases. Because remember, as dermatologists, we deal with more than allergies. There's other things that we have to manage or biopsy. Again, biopsy these lesions if they're not responding, if you clear up the infection, you still have papules present, that's kind of strange if you can't find infection underneath the microscope. So of course, we're going to predominantly see things like pyoderma and bacterial folliculitis, um, you know, maybe dermatophytosis with papules. But again, there's other weird things that can cause those too, and we wanna make sure that we're catching those and addressing those, because we do not wanna prolong a pet getting appropriate treatment Especially if it is something very serious like an autoimmune or neoplastic disease process, we want to get those addressed right away so that we can get them on the appropriate treatment or referred to the appropriate um, specialist, whether it's a dermatologist, oncologist, whatever that particular pet needs. So papules are really interesting. We see them a lot. I think they get overlooked because we think of crusting, scaling. Um, you know, even pustules. But papules are something you see on a daily basis. So I would really encourage you to use the appropriate terminology in your medical record, papules, papule, do they make a shape? Is it a papular eruption? And then doing the appropriate diagnostics so that we can get that pet on the right treatment plan. I hope you guys have enjoyed the series. Next week, we're going to cover pustules. We're kind of going to end our clinical series um, with one of the more common things that we see. And, you know, pustules are something that dermatologists love, almost pathologically love. We love an intact pustule. We love non-follicular spreading pustules. We don't get to see those very often. So it's exciting when we do. So I hope you guys are loving this series and are excited to end it with pustules next week.